Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode. On this one, I got my uncle, Carlos Serra, on the podcast. Carlos is a worship pastor at Thrive Church in Elk Grove. You're going to love this episode. We had a lot of fun. Check it out. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh. Yo. Welcome in to the fellowship. Keep it locked, yo. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Fellowship. On this episode, I got the Grand Yoda Sensei Master, and that is uh, Bishop Reverend uh, Carlos Serra. Probably too low, Doctor. If you don't recognize the last name, it's a great one. Uh, that is my uncle, Carlos Serra, or as I like to call him, Theo. <laughs> not, a, not Theo. But like T.O. Not Theo Huxtable. Yeah, not, not Theo Huxtable. But uh, I got my uncle on this one. And obviously, if you guys can't put that into context, I've known my uncle. Well, I should say my uncle's known me because he's known me longer than I've known him. And that's because I wasn't alive when he knew me. You came into my life at 15 years old. Man. So it's been a wonderful 30-year journey <laughs> going on uh, 31 so for those of you who don't know, my uncle serves as a worship pastor at Thrive Church in Elk Grove. I'm actually going to have uh, his pastor on in just a few weeks too, Pastor Hector. I'm just going to come and do the show in a couple weeks as well. But one of the there's there's a lot of really cool things that I was thinking about when I was thinking about bringing my uncle on. I think part of the reason that I, that I love community and fellowship and church so much is I think it has to do with that being part of my roots. We don't have a huge family like blood family here on my dad's side, which is the side that we connect with the most. It's just my uncle, my dad, and my grandfather. There's not like a, we're not a giant crazy Mexican family, you know, that has like 18 cousins and 24 deals and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of everybody's uh, godfather. <laughs> but we have a family that I grew up with that I've always known to be my family. And I've known them my whole life as my cousins. I've, I've always thought of them in that way. I've always, you know, every family event, they're there. Every family event that they have, we're there. And that came from the church. That was something that was built in the church. And I think that something we don't see as often anymore within the church is those type of relationships that go beyond just the high and by, how you doing, blessed and highly favored brother, Sunday morning, like, hello. You know, or even the the small group where we meet for a couple weeks and then we never really hang out again. And every now and again, we laugh about something that happened at small group. But a, a, a relationship that that's built in the in the house of God that literally has spanned generations. I think that there's no reason that the church shouldn't have an abundance of that. And I, so I wanted to talk about with you. You know, a lot of the origin, the backstory, and and how man, it's probably what 50 years yeah 50 years later that you know not only have my grandparents and their grandparents built a uh, incredible relationship to this day i mean we all have tight relationships with their grandchildren and great-grandchildren so i just want to talk a little bit and unpack that and how that's been such a huge element in your short 400 year life right 380 <laughs> um 
you know, as we were talking about doing the show and the contents of the show, we were talking about how um, I was sharing with you when I was a kid, I had a friend come over to the house and he wanted to just wanted to hang out. I, I think I was like in fifth grade and I was showing him photo albums. He would point out and ask, who's this? And oh, this is from church. This, this person's from church. Who's this? This is our brother from church. Who's this sister from church? And he made the the observation, man, everyone is in your album is from church. You know, what about your family? And I said, oh, this is my mom's side right here. This one picture, two pictures. <laughs> but everyone else is from church. And not to say that I, that our blood relatives, not to say that we don't love them or that sure. we don't pray for them or that we don't even um, not hang out with them or see them. Uh, I've made that effort later on in my life. But as a kid, we hardly ever saw them. But like you were talking about earlier, the Martinez family, I like to call them the Martinez clan. <laughs> they have been instrumental in our lives. And for me, they've been a, a, one of the few constants in my life. Mm. Uh, my my parents, uh, Pepe and Leila, they met them, I, I want to say... Uh, 1968, but I know no later than 1969. Wow. Most likely 68. Your dad, my older brother, way older brother, he was six months old when when Papi, my father, started taking him to church. And my dad realized after he had separated himself a couple of years from uh, being a believer and being a Christian or an active Christian, uh, he came back to church because he realized he had a son and he wanted to be an example, found a church. And later on, my mom, she got saved and my grandmother came from Nicaragua to help raise my brother and help my mom out with him. And one night after church, they bumped into them in a, at a restaurant. They had they had sent some like uh, food or ice cream or something like that. And they said, no, no, we didn't order this. And they said, no, no, these people over here. And when they looked backwards, it was it was the Martinez, Rafael and Evelia, the grandparents. For me, they were my, my witnesses. So basically the equivalent of like my godparents. So they were always in my life. They were older parents, like a parent figure to my mom, um, my dad's best friend, Hermano Martinez, brother Martinez, we used to call him. He would come over every Saturday, and there was always some kind of project, either at the church <laughs> or at the house. Uh, he would have two breakfasts. Uh, Sister Martinez would make uh, breakfast in the morning, like really early in the morning at their house, and then he'd come over, and then he would sit there and watch TV with me, like from like 7 in the morning <laughs> to like 8.30, 9 o'clock. My mom would come down, and she, she'd ask him, hey, do you want to eat? And he said, sure. <laughs> and he'd have second breakfast there. And it was just like that forever, for as long as I, I can imagine. And uh, in the last, you know, um, part of our lives, they both passed away. But they were always examples to me of, of, of a Christian life, uh, a Christian way of growing up and raising your kids, raising your family. And uh, I'm forever blessed for having them in my life. Um, I have a whole family that are not our same nationality, are not blood relatives, but if there's two families that should be related, it's, I always say it's the Martinez and the Serra family. So they have been just a humongous blessing. And we're still, we're still connected. We still love one another. There's parts of the family that we don't see for a while. But as soon as we see them, it's, 
it's a hug, it's a kiss, it's, you just pick up right where you left off, and and there's just a, this understanding that we are connected. That's one thing that I always notice is that it doesn't matter how long we have not seen each other, there's always this understanding is you're stuck with me, I'm stuck with you, right? And in and, and a good way, and not to say yeah. that it's a, it's a negative thing. So it's just been a blessing to do that, uh, do life with them. We've been to, on vacations with them. We've been to missionary trips with them. We've gone to church, of course. We've been to funerals and weddings and graduations and all <laughs> kinds of things. And uh, I, I, I love them. They are my family for all intents and purposes. Yeah, yeah and what's cool is, you know, uh, my grandpa came here from Ecuador with not a whole lot of family, you know, at least Nobody. in San Francisco where, where un- you guys live most of life. He had an uncle, but... He wasn't Christian. There, there's not a huge like for a lot of people, especially Hispanic Latino families. Like you have this giant family that you can come to for everything and whatnot, um, and he didn't have that. But he found that in the church. He mm-hmm. found another couple that man he got to build that with, and it's awesome because they have family in Texas and in Mexico that you guys and my grandparents have met. And like, mm-hmm. you know, we have extended family that know who they are, that know who they are because we built such a tight knit relationship with them um, to where even our extended family almost considers them. family. And, what, and what's <laughs> funny is that Fernando, who you're going to have on the show pretty soon here, my parents are his godparents. Yeah. You know, and uh, it, it's just it's just one way or the other. In fact, if I've always said, if I have kids, it's going to come from that family that the godparents are going to come from that family. For know? sure. So uh, it's just uh it's just a connection. It's a definitely it's a divine connection. Definitely, it is something that I've seen that has been a blessing. It's not been a burden. It's not been like, oh, you know, we got to entertain these people. It's <laughs> these people have seen us at our worst, and yeah. they've seen us at our best, and they've always just been there. Um, especially, I'll never forget just the kindness and just the concern and just being there when my own mom. Uh, was going battling cancer and going through treatments and surgeries and everything. Uh, I'll never ever forget how they were always there. They were always there in the hospitals during her chemotherapy. Uh, for those of you that don't know the story, my mom passed away in 1993. Uh, the last six years of her life, she battled with um, uh, ovarian cancer and breast cancer. And in the end, she passed away of an experimental drug uh, side effect. But Brother Rafael and Sister Evelia, they would pick her up. they take her to treatments. They were there at the house, no matter what. And they were there even in the final moments. They were the ones that were there in her final moments. And it was kind of like poetic justice to see that, you know. Yeah. You're like three years old or something, <laughs> like four or something. It, it's crazy because, I mean, in those times, that's when we need people the most. And... A lot of people don't have that. They don't have somebody to turn to, and not just someone to turn to. And one of the things that I that I stress on the show is it's one thing to have relationships with people and have good relationships and whatnot, but it's a whole different thing to have godly relationships and kingdom relationships. Like the way that I can encourage someone because Christ is in me is much different from when it, if Christ is not. Like it's easy for me to say, "Oh, hey." Things are going to get better. You're going to be all right. I'm sorry for your loss. Mm. But it's another thing to come say, hey, I've been praying for you. I've been battling for you. Yep. And and not just tell them, like, 
happy thoughts, which are which are nice, they're good sentiments. But to be able to say, you know, the word says I can do all things through Christ. The word says that you know that nothing that comes against me is going to prosper, mm-hmm. and, and I can give that to you in your time of need and your time of struggle because, man, I'm connected to to the Father. Definitely, there's um there's a sense in churches i think nowadays i've i've lived long enough to know to be able to say back in the day i mean and really mean <laughs> back in the day uh old school church versus what is i think is contemporary church uh one thing that is that kind of falls on the side of the road kind of just gets overlooked is that same thing uh the building of community the building of of uh fellowship outside of the four walls of the church yeah. it, it's something that's lacking um, I know that uh, in in where I where I work and where I minister at, uh, we have a lot of great people, a lot of great-hearted people. I've met a lot sure. of people that are wonderful. That are, I'm blessed to be there, but the I guess the the culture doesn't allow that as much. And for me, I I look at how I was raised, and I looked at the influences in my life. Uh, talking about the Martinez family and, 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 and everyone that's connected. I mean, you figure they had four daughters and they all had a lot of kids. Yeah. And so they have kids and their kids have kids. And so our family has grown because of our extended family. And we've always had that. Uh, in the church nowadays, I, I don't know many people that have that. Yeah. And and I think that's a missing component in a lot of churches and you know we have three services. It's not always easy to do back to back to back when you got sure. like an hour and ten, and uh, it, it's difficult. But we we we're fo- we're focuses our focus is giving a Sunday experience and blessing people that way and encouraging people to do it on their own. But I believe that the way that I minister, I look at uh, the investment in the person in the people, not what they can do for me, but what they who they are in Christ. Yeah. And I think that's been passed down and I recognize those attributes and characteristics that I learned by having community and fellowship outside. We went on vacations together. Yeah. Like we would do mission trips in Mexico and then we would cross <laughs> back the border, then we'd spend a few days in in Anaheim and we'd go swimming at the hotel and go to Disneyland and Wax Museum and Universal <laughs> Studios and then we did everything together. Uh, all our birthdays are connected. You know, July, when I was growing up, July was the hot month. It was, you know, <laughs> Ralph, Junior, me, Anthony, Joby, and, and even someone else that's not part of the Martinez clan that's part of that group as well, Celia Cortez, if she's listening, your birthday is July 31st. I don't forget you. <laughs> so I'm five days older than Anthony, Christina's son, and uh, Junior's a year older than me. And we have we have movie theaters. I mean, not movie theaters, but movie <laughs> movies like uh, was it eight millimeter film with Sister Velia that had this this cough, this persistent cough with no sound, and you can tell she's going, ah, ah, she's coughing. You know, <laughs> that cough was there everywhere, everywhere in funerals, weddings, everything, and it was it's just wonderful. Those are just the best memories, you know, yeah. looking back and to do it in a, and to do it in the structure of a church yeah. just is so much more. Yeah, you know, they're more than family. They are, they're you know we're connected. I love For sure. it. I love that. For sure. I, one of the things that I um, I did a, a podcast with Pastor Mason, and you know he's really big in small groups and things like that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we talked about was that the early church was occasional meetings That's in the synagogue. Yep. Yeah. And then home to home. Yep. 
Everything else was home to home, breaking bread together. You know, mm-hmm. carbs are in the Bible. Carbs are in the Bible, and uh, we we need that. Carburetors are in the Bible, <laughs> but but I think that's where a lot of the. I don't want to say that the Sunday service doesn't matter because it absolutely right. does. No, that's it, not, you can't. We're saying, and I think that we get that start, that spark, that spark that you need for your week from those Sunday services. Of you course. get that transformation moment, but there's. There's transformation, and there's what the Bible talks about, like the process of sanctification, of of renewing your mind, of transforming your mind, and that happens a little bit, and and a good amount in in our Sunday services or our weekly services, midweek, whatever the case is. But when you get to do fellowship, and this is what me and Pastor Mason were talking about, is that when you get to do fellowship, when you get to hang out with other people, you get to see the practical applications, like. When we hang out and, and go, man, I got this situation at work and I don't know what, you know, I, I'm trying to get things right. I'm trying to be a good Christian and, and live the life that I'm called to live. But I can't ask the preacher on the pulpit, like raise my hand in the middle, like it's, you know, elementary school and, and ask him that. But when I have these one-on-ones, when I'm doing these deeper dives, when I'm having coffee with pastor, when I'm doing this and that. I can do those things and ask like, Hey, this is a everyday situation that I'm going through, whether it's with, you know, kids, family, work, whatever elements of life, how do I apply what God's trying to teach me to my every day? It's, um, it, it, I, I can honestly say that I see the more that I'm doing ministry because uh, I have one year of full-time ministry under my belt. And I know that this first year has been challenging into uh, just kind of taking a look in the mirror and saying, okay, these are things that need to change. And even before that, these are things that you have to recognize that have to change. Yeah. And then going into how do you do that, right? But I, uh, for example, I <clears throat> I see when I'm dealing with pastor one-on-one, I see a lot of grace there. I see a lot of, I see a man that is, who is a godly man that wants to every interaction, every word, everything that he does, it's, it's, it's with the right heart, you yeah. know, and I'm sure he gets frustrated with me every once in a while. And, <laughs> uh, I have that effect on people, but he never treats me. He never says anything harsh to me. And if he needs to tell it, it he, it say it to me, he does it in love and he does it in, uh, with the correct spirit and I, that's very appreciative so i've taken that and the more that i've gone in into the ministry i realize that my giftings and my strong suits are things that i've always possessed and they're attributes that i can literally say i learned this in the community with my extended family with with the Martinez people, the people, other people in our church, other sure. families that we've known that we've been close to, I can honestly say that the person that I am and the pastor that I am is due to the experiences that have shaped me and molded me. And uh, Pastor Hector has this one awesome saying that he says, you know, that that the Lord is uh, kind of sneaky, you know, in how he he does things and how he prepares us, and he calls them Jehovah sneaky, like one of the names of God. <laughs> And, and I can attest to that because I can look back and I can see in my life when I wasn't living right, when I was doing things out in the world and, and, and all that stuff, I look at it now and it's, I can see that God was shaping me. Yeah. And, and, and to keep me in the community that I, where I was, 
he 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 really took care of me. My mom used to always tell me, Carlos, you you were dedicated to the Lord. You don't belong to these people. You don't belong to that person, that that scenario, that scene. You belong to the Lord. And even when I was out there doing things, I would always think of those things. I've always known scripture. I've always known that. And so I'm a true testament of teach it, bring up a child in the, in, in the ways of the Lord when he's young so that when he's not, when he's old, he won't depart from those things. Yeah. I am a living testimony of that. And it's true. It's true. Yeah. So one of the things with the growing up with the Martinez family and having those connections, and there was a couple other families that that's the tightest right. one that we had. But mm-hmm. so what do you think in the, in the church at large, you know, the, the big C church, mm-hmm. as they say, what do you think holds, like puts caps on that or, or, um, holds people back from building the type of, because you don't see a whole lot of relationships like the ones that, that we have, um, and I talk about the relationship, like on this podcast, I've talked a lot about the relationships that I have with um, a couple of my friends, David, Damian, and Carlos. And really, that's because I, I saw that growing up with the Martinez family. Okay. So I've started to build that, you know, outs- with another set of families. Um, but there, there's no reason, this is why, one of the reasons that I do this podcast is because there's no reason that everybody can't have that within the church. So what do you think it is that holds people back from building those type of relationships and building, you know, building that network in that community and extending their the church from being their church to their family? I think that for you to change the culture of anything, and this is something I heard uh, not too long ago in the last year or so, and it rings true so far, is that if you want to change the culture of something, this in this case being the church, what you need to do is you need to you need to tell the stories that are applicable to it and you need to promote those stories and celebrate the heroes of those stories. Mm -hmm. So for example, if we're a church that wants to grow, uh, ministry wise, then the stories are, you know, Hey, you know, we got these ministries and we're going to do this and we need people. And then, uh, such and such, you know, did this and brought 10 people to church or whatever it is. You've got to change the, I think you got to change the conversation first, and then celebrate the the, the heroes of it, quote unquote. Yeah. And uh, it has to be part of the conversation first until until it's ingrained, and then it applies. Because think of it, just like the Word of God, the message is the most important part of the service, and the message is the part that we apply. So if we don't change the conversation, there's nothing to apply. Mm-hmm. And so at mass, the church needs to start hearing that. That uh, connection, one-on-one, loving one another. If it's the the most uh, important commandment to love your God and then love your fellow partner, your fellow mate, as you as the as the Christ loves church, then why don't we do that? Yeah. It's because it's not being either it's not being talked about or it's not being shown. Yeah. So before it's being applied, you've got to talk about it. You've got to change that conversation. You've got to steer that. You've got to be intentional. Just can't go out there and just take a swing and see if you're going to hit something. There's got to be intention and purpose in what you're promoting and who you're promoting. Yeah. yeah. And I think not in a, not in a sense that churches do it on purpose or any church does it on purpose, but I think sometimes um, it's very easy. Numbers matter because numbers are, are, are people. Right. But I think sometimes we get so obsessed with, okay, we got to bring people in, bring people in, um, and build people up. But we also have to not just build people up, but build community up. 
Right. You know, it's not just about the individual and getting that individual, but how does that individual go out and and produce more? How do they come out and do more? They if they don't know how to build community if they're not really a part of it. And you can do that by being connected to ministries, like you said. Um, if your church has a small group network doing that, um, or maybe a lot of churches just operate through the ministries. You know, you get somebody plugged in. Um, it was cool. One of our um, cousins it was funny. Uh, I think it was during summer. Uh, we were hanging out at their house, and this guy hasn't been in the church for a long time. And in the last couple of years, him and his wife have um, really come back into church, and, and God's done an amazing work in their life and continue to do work in their life. And it was funny because I was telling my wife, I was telling Aubrey, like he said something that I never thought I'd hear him say, and he, he used church words. And I was just like, I like paused and was just staring at him like, did you just say that? Because <laughs> uh, he was talking about, you know, sometimes it's nice just to go to events, just to fellowship with people. And I'm like, did this motto just say fellowship? You see? And, and <laughs> what, what causes that? It's because of what he's hearing yeah. and what he's seeing. And, and that has to be, that's intentional. Yeah. So that's what changes people is when you're, when you're showing something and then you're living it out too. Yeah. You know, numbers do matter. You know, but also too the heart in which you want to gain numbers is yes. the same is is different too. There's a line there. If you're gaining numbers just for let's just call it business bottom line money, then you know okay, that's fine I guess. But if you're if you really have a heart to build the kingdom, then yeah, people matter. People yeah. the numbers matter because it, the church is in a in a in a in a place right now that there's a lack of urgency. Mm-hmm. To to soul win again in this in this sense with this heart and this sentiment and this purpose, then yeah, numbers do matter. Yeah, uh, I want to circle back to something else, um, or maybe not circle back to it, but uh, bring up something else. So you have been in church your whole life, day zero from day zero to now. It's always been a part of your life. Most of your life, you actually been doing some aspect of ministry serving uh, in some sense most of almost 98 percent of that if not 100 percent of that was in worship but just in this last year um maybe two years uh, it'll be three in in the end of july yeah you you've chosen to okay i'm gonna step up and and really i i'm gonna not just do this just because i feel called more than just a, a part-time calling but you know, you've chosen to, to leave other things behind, you know, a, a really good uh, secular job and say, you know, I, I'm really going to follow what God's called me to. And I know a lot of that has to do with the relationship that you've, you've built with with Pastor Hector. And again, that that's a fellowship. How has how did that fellowship? How did that relationship that you have? Um, and, and maybe there's there was more than those more than that relationship. But how did that bring you to the point where you're like, you know what, for me to do what God's calling me to do, I have to step into this full time. Definitely. I'll answer that in two ways. You know, I I felt I've always been called, but I've always felt also too that my past was so big that, you know, I I revere this position. I revere the the pastor position. I've been, I've been lucky that all my life I've been around them, you know, um, and I've seen good, I've seen bad, I've seen mediocre, I've seen lazy, I've seen effective and 
very hardworking. So for me, the the position has always been something that it's like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm, I respect it. I revere it a lot. Yeah. And I always thought to myself, just because of the things that I did in my past, I was like, eh, I, don't, I don't think that I don't think that can happen. And um, and Pastor Hector had challenged me to start, you know, changing my conversation about not, maybe not doing that. And he challenged me for like a maybe a three, I think it was like a three to six month period. You know, he asked me, I don't I want I don't want you to say I can't do that. Just pray about it, you know. And then it got to the point where I took over the worship ministry uh, at, at the end of July of 2016. And after about after about a year, um, he started asking me, hey, have you were considered going into full-time ministry? And I was like, hey, yeah, yeah, no, that's all right. And uh, the first thing I'm thinking of in my head is the... Uh, my paycheck <laughs> that I right. got. I used to work for PG&E, and it was a very, like you said, it was a, it was a lucrative paying job. And uh, that's the first thing I think we tend to for sure. run to, right, and then look. But what I noticed was that leaving that behind wasn't so hard because I always felt like it was called. But for me, because of the relationship I've had with Pastor Hector, and also to being and seeing him firsthand uh, go through some challenges and some real, a real hard season, watching him go through it and literally playing it out in on the altar in front of his congregation and not hiding and being very truthful and transparent, it showed me a different level of him. And I, I would say that a big part of my decision to go into the full-time ministry and not just not just full-time ministry but into at thrive honestly if i was somewhere else i don't know if i would have i would be thinking of maybe this is not the right timing of the lord i know i'm mm-hmm. called but maybe it's not the right timing yeah. but because pastor hector was there and uh working for my pastor working i'm also working for my friend i'm also working for a mentor and i'm also working for a brother man he's all those things to me man and he's he's been amazing in a lot of areas and he has actually taught me a lot he's been a wonderful influence and has shown me really helped me to correct some things and look at some things and how to pray about certain things and what to pray about and and how to like take a introspective look into the mirror and saying these are things that don't make me a bad person but if I were to tweak some things, I can go deeper in relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been true so far. And I, I really respect that man. I uh, love him. And and uh, just the ministry that we're under, we're, it's exciting because we're, I feel like we're on the ground floor. Even though Robert is going to be celebrating 17 years here, we're, I feel like we're on the ground floor of something big and something new and... Um, it just there's a sense of expectancy that God's going to do something, and I'm excited. You know, I've been at this church for ten years now, and I can honestly say uh, it's where I belong. Yeah, and the Lord has me here, and uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be part of this family. And uh, but I, uh, to answer your question, yeah, uh, I I don't think I would have taken the position in another church or with a different pastor if it wasn't Hector. You know, uh, Hector's been was a big part of the decision. Can I follow this man? Can I let him pour into me? Will I let him pour into me? Yeah. You know, that, that's big. Yeah. That's big because it's like, 
I have a chance to choose my boss. Yeah. You know, working with PG&E, I didn't have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> it was challenging, but here is uh, it's a different story. I, I, I will open myself up to feedback. I will want to get his take. I will, you know, I'm there to create the vision that yeah. the Holy Spirit's given him. Yeah. And I think it's cool um, that one of the things that, I, that I've talked about throughout this podcast is too, is that if you go to a church and you might not connect with people right away, but you feel called to be at the church to stick it out because it could, you could have at any point early on, you know, when you, when you came to, cause we had already been at thrive or I think it was still Laguna Christian center at this LCC. time, um, for a few years. Um, and you came, when you came to the church, you were going through some transition in your life and going through some difficult seasons. It would have been really easy for you to just kind of go, okay, I'm doing all right. I can go find a spot of my own. Um, because sometimes it's hard when you go somewhere and your family's already deep-rooted. For some people, that's really easy. Like, it makes the transition easier. For some people, it's like, all right, I want to build my own thing. Right. Um, but I think if at any point you, you decided, okay, early on, like, uh, I don't know if this is for me or not. Down the line, you might not have been able to get to, like you said get to that place um i know for me when we first came there and i've shared this before it was really difficult because it was i think it's it's grown a lot as the i think it's part of the city has changed a lot too the the diversity of of elk grove has changed a lot um but when we first came there i'm not even for the best word i can think of a, a hood dude like i i have a little bit of both worlds but I'm not, I'm also not a very suburban, like, you know, kid. Think of the church where you came from, too, though. Exactly. Exactly. So when we came there, it was super difficult for me to connect. And I, I didn't want to. I didn't want, I didn't want to be there for the longest time. But I felt God telling me, like, hey, you need to stick this out. And again, just like you said, I don't know if I would be in the place that I'm at if it wasn't for sticking out what I felt like God was telling me to do. And, even though it was difficult building those relationships there at the church um, that have pushed me to where I'm at, you know, uh, I'm not a part of Thrive Church, but I think I'll, I'll always be uh, connected to Pastor Hector. Yeah. Um, and I still consider Pastor Hector, and I've talked about this, and, and my pastor knows this. He's still one of my pastors and mentors and friends. I'm a witness uh, to that. Like, you know, he, in conversations when your name comes up, yeah. You know, I I love the dude, and and I wouldn't be here the same way. You know, if it wasn't for that ministry, pastor um, dude, pastor dude, pastor dude. <laughs> that's uh, the big Lebowski when he uh, got ordained. <laughs> I think that uh, what you're saying is true because it comes around full circle. The experiences that shape you with the people that are helping shape that. Um, when the Lord talks to you and speaks to you, and you listen. It's only to it's only to bless those you know going forward. Yeah, I find myself you know talking to people, um, praying with people, counseling people that um, that are going through the exact same things that I went through, and the people that I had in my life were the ones who were pouring into me, and now for, now that I'm filled, you know it's kind of like a cup and you get filled up, and now you've got to pour out something to fill something else up, another container, another vessel. And that's what that's what it is, and that's what it is. Uh, I remember, I, you know, I went through a, a state of just depression after my mom died, and I remember we were at some kind of conference or something at Capital Christian, and I was 
just being antisocial and I was sitting way up there and a brother that we knew that I hadn't seen in, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so at that point. Um, he came up to me, he saw me there, he found me and he came and just sat next to me and, and he just like spoke a word into me and saying, you know, everything that you're going through right now is not on, it's not just a random thing. Everything you're going through right now is going to be to bless someone else because you're going to know what to say. You're going to know how they feel. You're going to know, you're going to see symptoms and you're going to see patterns. You're going to, you know, you're going to really speak into people's lives. And I didn't believe it then. But it's something that has always stayed with me. That word has always stayed with me. And even to this day, um, you know, just, you know, just yesterday, yesterday was a, a day where I spent most of my day pouring into people. And and I, I can still remember certain conversations and certain people that shared what the Holy Spirit was giving them uh, to confirm what I'm doing now. And I mean, you're talking 20 years ago. <laughs> 20 plus so uh god is good and when he when he um brings the people into your life and sometimes it's us have to go look out there too you know these yeah. these these pockets of community that we we're talking about they don't just they just don't happen because you go and sit in a church for sure you know there's actually the application is hey how you doing what's your name what are you into let's go get some coffee let's do that and and that's how it starts yeah and uh, I believe, um, you know, first and foremost, yeah, I'm the worship pastor, but man, I'm called to love on people. For sure. And I would never come to that conclusion if I didn't have the influences that I had in my life. If I didn't have the, like the, the families like the Martinez family, the Cortez family, you know, um, certain pastors, you know, there was, a, there was a while we were going to Sendero, the Galindo family, um, Victorio, you know. Uh, then later on when I left Ebenezer, uh, I went to with Pastor Eddie Rents. You know, I was under him for about seven years and I saw a different something wonderful in him. And um, all these people spoke into my lives and all these people were a part of who I am today. And yeah. so I'm a little bit of all those people. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think one of the um, coolest things for me one time when I was uh, serving as a youth pastor, um, this is the first position I had outside of. Uh, the church I, I came up in, which was Drive, the the pastor there, uh, it goes. We were we were in a conversation in our in our one of our staff meetings, and he goes, "Man, you're Hector's boy." It was like what you just said. I I didn't even hear you. I heard Pastor Hector because that's that's what he would say, you know. Um, and I, and I did, I took that as a, a compliment, man. You know, I, I took that as, wow, I'm, I'm glad that I've had those investments that, you know, could have been, you know, here the devil's kid. Right. <laughs> there's a no, lot, I, there's I, a lot worse comparisons. Sometimes I find myself at home by myself and I'm rapping. I'm like, you, you, you ought to go to church and stop looking at the girls with the mini skirts. You know, that's a pastor Hector special. Yeah. Um, and also too, you know, in all this, we're talking about communities and everything, but, I think my, the most major influence, uh, and I'll bring this up just because those those families, those people that poured into our lives, they wouldn't have come if this one person wouldn't have sought out relationship. And that's that's Big Papi, you know, yeah. Pepe Serra. Uh, that man um, has been an example from day one, and he's still that way. You know, he's he's going to turn seventy five next week, and he 
still has people come over on Wednesdays. He <laughs> feeds them a nine-course meal, and they go into a deep Bible study. And uh, it's that passion that he has to build community. I think no. that's where we get it from. Papi knows that people make this happen. For sure. You know? And he doesn't do it to glorify himself. He does it because he loves the Lord. Yeah. And that's that's my most major influence. You know, back when I was being a knucklehead, I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to be anything like my dad. And now all I want to be <laughs> is my dad. Yeah. Know? So I think in, in sense of humor-wise, I'm there. But... Um, <laughs> In all other aspects, I have a fraction of that. So, yeah. But he's uh, he's the man. And I'll I'll close up with this thought. But you know, the Bible says that we're a reflection. You know, we're, we're we're the we're the image of the invisible God. So we get to be that for them in that moment. But a lot of times, what we plant in them is deeper. Uh, we lay hands in the spirit later if we want to. But uh, you know, watching an MMA fight or whatever. Uh, that's usually one of our favorite pastimes. But what's cool is that I can have a couple friends over and maybe uh, half the room is safe and half the room isn't. And later when they're going through a difficult time, and I've had people tell me this, when I'm going through a difficult time, I don't call my family. I don't call a lot of my other friends. When I'm going through something hard, I call you because I know that, number one, you're a normal person. And number two, that there's something different inside of you. And they wouldn't know that about us without doing the normal things. Things. I mean, the question you need to ask ask yourself is that, am I going to turn someone off by talking and forcing a conversation that they're not ready to have? Yeah. Or am I going to plant a seed with my life and my actions and the love that I show? See, you don't have to talk about Christ in every conversation because if he lives in you, they're going to see, they're going to see him. Yeah. And once they see him and they see that the way that you are, isn't normal, that you can smile all the time and you can joke all the time and you can love people all the time. People want that. And, and you're right. All my life, people have seen something and they'll come. You know, I'm not a deeply religious person, but, well, okay, then, uh, I'm thinking to myself, well, why are you here? <laughs> but um, definitely, it is, it's it's doing it in his timing. For sure. And that is, there, there might be a moment, there might be a moment, an opportunity where you can, you can pounce on that conversation. And, For sure. And bring it up, but. And, 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 but you'll know when it's right, the right time. And you, and you'll also know when it's the wrong time. So if you're forcing it and you know better then then that's your agenda. And that'll never, ever, that'll never, ever steer anyone in the right direction. Yeah. I always, I always say, and for the believer then that knows a word to understand, I always say that when you try to help God, you always get an Ishmael, <laughs> you know, and that's true. You know, the, Isaac was the promised son, not Ishmael. And because Sarah decided to try to help God and bring the concubine to Abraham. And that wasn't the, God straight up said that that's not him. That's not the one I promised. Yeah. So when we get in his way, we, we don't get the results that we need. So. Well, thank you for uh, doing the podcast with me. Of course. Fun. Thank you for paying me. Yeah. All the, uh, Button on, you can eat. Or a Funko Pop of my choice. Um, we'll see. <laughs>
but thanks, it's been a blast. And uh, my, my own pleasure. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Love you. Love you too. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. I'm dropping another episode tomorrow with my good friend J-Wave. We recorded this live in Trinidad, so you want to check that out. Again, that's dropping tomorrow. His album comes out this weekend, so make sure you tune in. Find out more about the man they call J-Wave. Thanks, guys.